Half a day, and welcome to another episode of Live Till 5. It's Friday, October 21st, if you're listening to the live broadcast, 3.05 p.m. Broadcasting high atop the campus of Harvest Ministries from the worldwide headquarters of Harvest Family Radio, KHMG, 88.1 FM here in Barragata, Guam. Glad you're with us today. It's going to be a great day. It's a beautiful, sunny afternoon. If you're listening to the live broadcast, if you're catching us on the rebound Saturday or Sunday, we do rebroadcast the show in its entirety, noon to 2 on Saturdays, 7 to 9 p.m. on Sunday nights. Catch us when you can. You can also listen to our podcast. Go to khmg.org. There are about half a dozen different ways that you can listen to us, including using the TuneIn link there. You can download the TuneIn app to your tablet or your smartphone. You can listen online through our stream. You can listen to podcasts through SoundCloud, iTunes, Google Play, or RSS. Just go to khmg.org, and it's pretty self-explanatory from there. If you can find the website, you can find how to listen at your convenience. Maybe you're listening on the old-fashioned radio dial as you're driving around. Just pick the kids up from school. Hi, kids. I'm glad your mom is listening to the radio right now. Leave it on all the way home. Maybe you're heading home from church on Sunday night. I'm not forgetting about you either. Glad you guys are with us. Saturday afternoons, people running errands, headed to soccer games, grocery shopping, etc. Glad you're with us as well. You know, you can let us know that you're listening by going on our Facebook page. Harvest Family Radio has a great Facebook page. We upload a lot of cool stuff to that page. Go to Facebook, look for Harvest Family Radio, like us, leave a comment. You send us a private message, give us some uh, ideas for topics for this show or just comments, hopefully constructive comments for this show and others. We want to have a sweet show for you today because we are here to be a blessing to you every Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. We enjoy doing this show, talking about All different kinds of things. We do intend to entertain you a little bit. We intend to edify you, build you up in your Christian walk. We want to encourage you. And we want to uh, educate you at times about things that are going on. So glad that you can be with us today. This is episode 188 on this Friday, October 21st. Now it's 3.07 p.m. if you're listening to the live broadcast. And... uh, We're going to have some fun today, talking about a number of different things. Because it is October, of course, there are a number of celebrations and observances in the month of October. Did you know that October is Country Music Month, Cutout Dissection Month, Domestic Violence Awareness, Dyslexia Awareness, Eat Better, Eat Together, Emotional Intelligence, 
emotional wellness, employee ownership, energy management is a family affair, improve your home month, eye injury prevention month, fair trade, financial planning, feral hog or hog out month, German American Heritage Month, Global ADHD Awareness, Global Diversity, Go Hog Wild, Eat Country Ham, Halloween Safety, Head Start Awareness, Health Literacy, Home Eye Safety, and Italian American Heritage Month, to name a few. October is actually a very full month when it comes to observances. It's very popular. Uh, Three or four pages here of things, but I won't go through all those right now. And this week that we're heading into... Uh, the 23rd through the 29th, National Lead Poisoning Prevention Week, National Massage Therapy Week's coming up, National Respiratory Care Week, Give Wildlife a Break, B-R-A-K-E, Break, Kids Care Week, Pro Bono Week, Red Ribbon Week, uh, Rodent Awareness Week, interesting, Disarmament Week, Nuclear Science Week, kind of at the same time, so Nuclear Science Week and Disarmament Week, same time, probably no coincidence there, Prescription Errors Education and Awareness Week, World Origami Days, International Magic, and International Dyslexia Association Reading Week. Uh, All are ahead of us, starting either today or on Monday. A couple special observances, today being the 21st. Today is Celebration of the Mind Day, Global Iodine Deficiency Disorder Prevention Day, National Pharmacy Buyer Day, and Reptile Awareness Day. I don't know where they come up with these days. I'm just reading what I have here in front of me. Tomorrow, Caps Lock Day, International Stuttering Awareness Day, Make a Difference Day, National Nut Day, Pitbull Awareness Day, and Smart is Cool Day. Sunday is iPod Day, Mother-in-Law Day, National Mole Day, Swallows Depart for San Juan Capistrano Day, TV Talk Show Host Day, Xterra World Championship. Monday, Food Day, Bologna Day, Tuesday, International Artist Day, and National Greasy Foods Day, Cyrus Day, Wednesday next week, International Red Cross Day, and Mule Day, yes, Mule Day, next Thursday, National Day of the Deployed National Mincemeat Pie Day and Pumpkin Pie Day, and next Thursday, Cranky Coworker Day, yes, yes, that is going to be a great day, Cranky Coworker Day, National Cat Day, National Potato Day, Navy Day, and World Day for Audiovisual Heritage. It's going to be a sweet week of observations there. And you know what time it is. Time for one of my favorite segments. The segment's called The Buck Stops Here. Words of wisdom from the desks and walls of many successful Americans, including, but not limited to, politicians... Preachers, theologians, poets, novelists, barons of industry, all around good guys. I don't know if I agree with every one of these people or necessarily have to. These are just interesting things that they had on their little desk plaques. It all started with uh, the Harry S. Truman quote, the buck stops here. I don't think he invented that quote. I think he just had that quote on his desk in the White House. And that's where this idea came from. And today... Longtime environmental activist John O'Connor, best known as the leader of the National Toxics Campaign, groundbreaking effort he founded in 1983 to raise consciousness about the deadly impact of abuses perpetuated by an unregulated chemical, unregulated chemical companies. 
the campaign at its height was a major national force of change. O'Connor later became the chairman of Gravestar, Inc., an assets management company with a mission to stay committed to the environment and the community. By 91, he also found Greenworks, a company that incubates environmental startup companies. A candidate for Congress in 1998, the Boston Globe described him as tough competitor, but warm and generous with his zeal for life. And the plaque on his desk said this, the fun is in the fight. The fun is in the fight. John O'Connor. That's this week's The Buck Stops Here. I love uh, seeing what motivates people and what people think about. I've been working on a class through uh, Maranatha Baptist University talking about uh, or learning about models and theories of leadership. And I just finished my first class. And uh, let me just first say, it's hard to get back into the uh, school mode when you've been out of school mode for a while. Even though I have to study like when I'm doing some public speaking in chapel or preaching in church or things like that or working on a project, there's it's not quite the same as studying for a college class. Matter of fact, uh, Sebastian Basildua is here, and he's a recent college graduate. Sebastian, uh, first off, what kind of student were you at school? Uh, I always paid attention, but I never really took notes. Mm, okay. And then uh, how did you do Like when it came to like big projects and stuff? Are you a project person? You do all right on those? Um, it depends. If, if someone else is running the project, um, I, I try to be as big of a help I can. But I usually do pretty good when it's just me mm. and it's my own project. Sure, sure. Do you like writing projects or do you prefer like hands-on stuff? Um. If it's writing where I don't have to constantly cite sources, I think it's fun. Yeah. uh, Citing sources is the hard part. Yeah. Yeah. This paper had to have 15 sources and at least 10 pages. And so that is challenging because you're trying to stitch together a lot of different ideas and trying to be genuine about it, not just adding in a source just so you hit the 15 source mark. So and having a coherent thought at the very end after staring at the computer screen for five hours, that is challenging. And, uh, of course... Uh, when it comes to uh, writing, you have a, a number of different things that you have to be good at, including punctuation and um, your word usage, of course. And uh, that includes even using a lot of idioms. And you're not supposed to do that in technical or scholarly writing. But uh, we've been talking about idioms every week for the last year or so. And just want to go through a few idioms. But today, all of these idioms or phrases have roots in the nautical world. So now many of us uh, are not sailors. Uh, I'm prior airman, United States Air Force, not a sailor. I get seasick when I go out. I still like to go out. I just get really deathly seasick. But anyway, these are nautical terms that have actually been uh, incorporated or assimilated into our common day vernacular, including to be taken back. To be taken aback. Uh, aback is what sailors say when the wind changes suddenly and flattens the sails against the mast. Strong gusts of wind can even blow the ship backwards. Thus, that is what it means to be taken aback. To cut and run. It's believed that this phrase originates from sailors who were in such a hurry that they cut the anchor rather than hauling it up. And then they ran with the wind to cut and run. Passed with flying colors. You ever hear someone say that about like they 
They just completed a course or a class. They passed with flying colors. Well, that's when the English Navy would sail back to London with their colorful flags flying. Citizens knew the latest battle had been successful. Hand over fist. Have you ever heard someone say they're making money hand over fist? Well, although it typically used the phrase to refer to making money, it really just means to make fast and steady progress. Like when you quickly haul something up with a rope, your hand goes over your fist, of course, and that's where they get the phrase. To be left high and dry, uh, no support, no resources, then you must be high and dry, like a ship that's been grounded because the tide went back out. Have you ever heard someone say, throw three sheets to the wind? The ropes that control the tension in the sails are called the sheets. They are, there are four of them, but if one of the ropes isn't under control, it will send the other three and both sails to the wind, making the boat lurch around, and uh, that's when you have three sheets to the wind. Under the weather, ailing sailors were sent to recover below deck, away from the wind and the rain, or they were under the weather. Slush fund. I never would have thought this was a nautical term. When the ship's cook uh, is finished making meals and had a sludgy mix of grease and fat left over, they would take the slush and store it until uh, they got to port. Once they got there, the cook sold the fat to candle makers for some extra cash. Huh. Now that makes sense. Learn something new every day. By and large, both by and large are nautical terms. To sail by means to sail a ship very close to the line of the wind. To sail large means the wind is on the quarter. Sailing by and large made it easier for the crew to keep the ship on course, even in difficult conditions. Two more here. Hard and fast. The ship that's been beached so firmly that stuck probably got jammed on the sand hard and fast. Now it's immovable and unchangeable, just like hard and fast rules. And finally, have you ever heard someone say they run a tight ship? An orderly ship is one with tight ropes and secure rigging, that is a tight ship. And we're going to talk a little more about some punctuation marks later on, as well as some old-fashioned words that uh, you never want to be called, but uh, on the other hand, is they're not bad to call someone either. So we'll talk about those a little later. So we're going to take a little break. When we come back, more Live Till 5 after this. I'm Jared Baldwin, your host. Episode 188 on Friday, October 21st, 3.16 p.m. I'll be right back after this. with a little more live till five and we are so thrilled up here i mean we're always pretty happy or at least we try to sound like we are because we're on the radio and we want to make sure that you guys are encouraged whoa chris you carry that around with you all the time yes that's like a little switch is it spring loaded no it's not a switchblade. No, of course not. It's like a stiletto. It's a, it's a it's not a stiletto. It's, it's not even a it's it first of all, it's an inch and a half long. It's a knife. Well it's it's, it's a Kershaw. It's a four inch you know, it's an inch and a half long blade. It's a speed safe. A speed yes. And it opens quickly. Wow. 
Don't want to cross him in a dog alley. Yes, man, you could you could gut a buck with that. You I mean, could. you could. No. Yes. No, this is half the size of some of the other knives. I always carry a knife, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you what, it comes in handy for things like opening the hole a little larger oh, yes. on your drink. From so you Hebrews. don't get the uh, suction effect. Yes. That's right. Like the old can of STP oil, car oil. You had That's to right. put a, a hole in each side so it wouldn't that. glug 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 out. Yeah, I remember. Okay, well, hey, you know what? Let's 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 not even hesitate. We might as well just go straight to uh, this segment is brought to us by Hebrews Worldwide Coffee Shop and Bookstore, the best little coffee shop on Guam, offering an endless variety of coffees, teas, baked goods, Christian music, books, gifts, including a wide, almost the largest selection of Yankee candles. If you don't go to the airport to buy them, I think they're selling them at the Guam airport now. In all of Guam. I like it a lot. I go there every day. It's still open for another 26, 27 minutes, and, or 36, 37 minutes. I just want to say, first off, what a pleasant surprise. I mean, we love our drinks that come from the hub, but today's were particularly nice. So kudos to Jeremy, Kayla, Megan, Brittany, whoever made these drinks. Great job. Uh, we all had a very positive response. Let's let um, the young Padawan first describe it. What, what does it taste like? Don't say what it is, but let's get, give a few descriptive terms that uh, how you felt when you first drank it. I felt truly blessed after I drank this cup. <laughs> it was, uh, yeah. it's just got that perfect um, sweet taste to it, that, but it's kind of light too, so you can just keep yep. drinking it. Yep. It's amazing. It's yeah. got a little tang to it too. It mm. does. It does. Yep. A sweet, tangy hint of cinnamon, yeah. touch of cinnamon, uh, creamy on top. But not all the way through. It's hot. It's a hot drink. But not too uh, hot. Chris, I mean, how did you feel when you first got a sip of that? I felt they have outdone themselves on this one because I, you know, I'm not a fancy drink guy, okay? But this one is really good. I yeah. mean, like it's really good. I totally agree. I, I, I'm always grateful, and not every drink is my favorite drink. Like the one time they made me the pineapple eggnog fruit splash just wasn't a good combination. No, I'm just kidding. I have had that there, but that was my own choice. That was because I didn't want to share with my kids. It's a long story. Anyway, uh, but this one here, what a pleasant surprise. I mean, I was not expecting. It tastes like hot apple cobbler a la mode. It does. With it, but it does. as a drink. Yeah. And I believe it's a hot apple cider. With a little bit of ready whip whipped cream and cinnamon and cinnamon. Oh man! It is a it's an apple pie a la mode. Now, downside, diabetes. <laughs> Upside, everything else. So you know it is liquid sugar. I'm sure there's no fiber, there's no caffeine. So um, the second hour might not go as well as this hour, but really good and nice and hot. I think the the whipped cream kind of caps the heat down in there. Really tasty. I'm going to buy this when we have the Festival of Lights. Yes. That's, oh, man, this that is the drink great. I'm going to be walking around this Absolutely. campus with. Absolutely. Because that is perfect. It's like Christmas Day in If a you cup. love someone, you will buy them one of these drinks. I'm telling you. I'm serious. And if you don't love them, get them a pineapple eggnog fruit splash. It's just like you're saying. There are times when we're not nearly as enthusiastic. This time, I'm like... I, I'm hoping for a stampede on Hebrews. Oh, man. I'm- if people are listening right now and you have the ability to go to the hub, this is no joke. What are you waiting for? Walk in there right now and tell them you want 
what the radio station guys are having. That's right. I promise, unless you're allergic to apples or sugar or or happiness, uh, you should have a great experience. And I don't know how much it costs. It might cost $18, $19. It's okay. (laughs) It's worth it. It's totally worth it. It's really, I mean, we're all smiling. This is really a great drink. It's a... I've never had um, apple cider with a little whipped cream on top. Yeah, great call on that. I, I don't know if Megan brought that idea from her experience at Caribou Coffee or what, but it was a great, good call, guys. You you really, uh, I would give you an A plus on that drink right there. Yeah. So too bad Lawrence isn't here to enjoy it with us. So and we have this extra one here now. We do have an extra one here, and the only other person up here in the radio station they can't drink uh, sweet drinks, so yeah. they're on a diet or something. So anyway, well. Woo, that is good. Well, it is. Uh, we'll let Chris get back to uh, his normal, normal life. I just want to jump, get him to jump in on uh, this. Uh, what's in my coffee? I'll just go to drink this. There you go. You uh, can go sip it loudly. News. Yes, and yeah. sharpen your your weapon that uh, you you bring with you all the time. So uh, now uh, Sebastian is standing in for Lawrence today, or sitting in technically uh, yes. for Lawrence as this day in history, and it is. Friday, October 21st. Uh, what happened this day in history, Sebastian? All right. For this day in history, October 21st. Um, a lot of, a couple of military things, actually, that I found the most interesting. Um, in 1797, Old Ironsides, which is the name of the U.S. Navy frigate Constitution, was launched in Boston's Harbor. It was one of the six original frigates built for the U.S. Navy. Um, the extreme size for that time caused a difficult launch. Um, it tried three different times to get into the water on three different days. So, um, also, the crew that enlisted on this boat originally did not have a uniform, and uh, they manned the ship in whatever clothing they owned. It wasn't until over time that people started buying clothing that were similar. And then, wow. Uh, yeah, for the U.S. Navy. Have you ever got to go on that ship? No. It's still there. You know, yeah. it's it's like the oldest ship in the fleet, right? Yeah, it was actually, I think it's actually being put out in the water for the first time in like 20 years. Yeah. Uh, so they have it like in a little, like pulled up to the dock. It floats all the time. And uh, because it's um, kind of a national monument, mm-hmm. you can go on it for free. You can park right there and go on it and take a free tour, or you can pay a couple dollars and get like a... A real detailed tour, but yeah, we so got to go below the decks and oh, went through the okay, whole thing. Yeah. The on. ceilings are a little low, and it, it does make you feel a little claustrophobic, like you could imagine if you were out to sea in the middle of a battle, but it's pretty amazing. And, and you wonder, like, some areas inside are painted. You wonder just how many coats of paint, going all the way from the 1700s till now, how many coats of paint that thing has on yeah. it. So pretty amazing. And our tour guide was a young United States Navy sailor. Really? She was. This was her first assignment right out of uh, right out of boot camp, <laughs> and she actually gives tours. That's the United States Navy has tour guides on there. That's great. Pretty good job. Yeah, yeah. I'll have to go visit it sometime. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, um, eighteen oh five. Kind of keeping with the naval theme, there is uh, the Battle of Trafalgar. I think Trafalgar. Yes, uh, uh, occurred off of the coast of Spain. It was twenty seven British ships against thirty three French and Spanish ships. Um, even outnumbered, Britain gained victory as 22 of the Franco-Spanish fleet ships were destroyed, while not a single British vessel was lost. Now, are are you um, not as enthused about this because you have Spanish ancestors? 
because this this is a big deal. The Battle of Trafalgar, right? Isn't that Trafalgar right. Square is in, is in London? I think they call it Trafalgar. Trafalgar, okay, first sorry. of all. Well, you would know because and obscure UK jerseys.com.cu. <laughs> no. Uh, so do you know the story of the Battle of Trafalgar? A very famous thing happened here. Uh, Admiral Nelson mm-hmm. yep. was on his ship and he was. Uh, he took an injury in the battle, a fatal injury, and they announced to Admiral Nelson. He has a statue in Trafalgar Square. Yes, it's on a, it's on a big, a big uh, post. pillar, right? Yeah. And it's him on top of it. Yeah, and uh, he was injured fatally in this battle, and he was laying in the hold of the ship, and they informed him uh, when the battle um, started to wane that. You know, Admiral, we've won. And he said that uh, he's done his duty, and he dies. Right? He's done his duty. Yep. yep. And so it's a, it's a very famous, it's a Horatio, famous battle. Lord Horatio Nelson, I believe, right? I think Admiral it's Horatio Admiral Nelson. Nelson. Yes. Yeah. Admiral yeah. Horatio Nelson. Yeah, it's a very famous, uh, famous story yeah. of uh, a general... A general, an admiral. Yeah, he died. A, a and leader dying yes. in battle. Dying I guess that's what battle. I'm trying yep. to say. With, with yeah. dignity. Yes. Yeah, well, he's, yeah. He's, a, he's a hero. I was right. Well, yeah, because I was kind of looking at the broad overview. Because uh, well, the significant thing to me for that also was the British never didn't lose a single vessel. Yeah, you know, against it's crazy. The, uh, They're outnumbered, yeah. yeah. So because of that victory, um, it confirmed the British naval supremacy. And it warded off the French plans to invade Britain because this failed. So, like, all right, we're not right, going to go through right. with these Right, don't plans. mess with those guys. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, all right. And then, so, moving on to 1917, the first U.S. soldiers entered combat during World War One. It says near, it's spelled Nancy, but I feel like it's called, like, Nancy or something like that. Um, it's, it's, it's French. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's near Nancy. I don't know if Nazi. she knew that the war had... <laughs> Nance, maybe? Nance? I don't know. Nance that's that's a good one. I've not heard that. Yeah. Nance? That sounds right. Maybe, yeah. And the arrival of the soldiers, so this is a couple of months earlier, the ar- arrival of the soldiers to this area was supposed to be quiet due to German submarines, but a crowd had, word had got around and a crowd was already there to greet them when they got there. Um, but that, that didn't really, I guess, affect them too much. But um, also the soldiers were referred to as doughboys by uh, the British, referring yes. to them being untrained, ill-equipped, and not ready for fighting. Yep. Um, but a training camp was established, and they were put into combat four months later. Uh, so that was that. Yep. Um, and then one last thing I have on here. 1980, the Philadelphia Phillies won their first World Series. Oh, yeah, I remember this. <laughs> it was uh, Philadelphia. I was eight years old watching this. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. I can Way to bring up a sore now. subject. <laughs> um, okay. No, it's fine. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Philadelphia Phillies versus the Kansas City Royals. That's right. Uh, game six was the final game. Uh, it was the most watched game in World Series history with a television audience of 54.9 million viewers. That's right. So that was uh, – I tried to pull out some of the most interesting ones, and those are the yeah. ones that stuck out. Thank you. Uh, what year were you born, by the way? 91. 91. Okay. So that was way before your time. All right. <laughs> got it. Got it. I was just a boy. So I was about 
uh, getting ready to turn. I think I had already turned eight at that time, and it was in the. I remember it being in the fall, and uh, I remember it being. We all huddled around the the old uh, Zenith or Magnavox television, tuned in the rabbit ears and watched it, and uh, you know, of course, disappointed. But then we came back in 1985, beat the Cardinals in the World <laughs> Series. So you know. It's all good. Well, hey, great. Sebastian, you did a great job. Thanks. Thanks for filling in on This Day in History. Uh, you did a fine job. And um, uh, now we just need to give you more jobs so that we can see how you do with those jobs. And so uh, we're going to give you, give you, you know what? You can have a second uh, apple cider drink if you, if you want it. If you don't want it, I'm sure we can find someone that wants oh, it. But Thanks, man. Appreciate it. And uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back... Going to talk a little more about some stranger than fiction stories. We're going to talk about some punctuation. We're going to talk about, oh boy, what else do we have here? Oh yeah, some uh, names that you could call someone. They're obscure antiquity words. And then, of course, our topic of the day in the second hour. We're calling it radio casserole. Radio casserole with peas, onions, and diced carrots. And I'll explain why we're calling it that later on in the show so stick around i'm jared baldwin this is live till five you're listening to us on 88.1 fm khmg harvest family radio here in barragata guam it is 3:35 p.m on friday october 21st if you're listening live maybe you're catching us on the rebound saturday sometime between noon and two or sunday night between seven and nine p.m or listen to the podcast through our website khmg.org a lot of different ways to listen that way as well stick around short break now be back soon back speaking of pumpkin spice i maybe maybe we weren't speaking of that but uh, as a review we talked about everything pumpkin pie spice not too long ago and after drinking that cup of liquid apple creamy joy i wanted to uh, remind you about the pumpkin pie spice craze that's going on all around the western world and it has affected the hub they do have some pumpkin pie spice drinks including a pumpkin pie Spice chai. You should check it out. Pumpkin pie spice. Six parts ground cinnamon. One part ground nutmeg. One part ground ginger. Half part ground allspice. Half part ground cloves. Pumpkin pie spice is an American spice mix commonly used as an ingredient in pumpkin pie. I would say... You know, something smarter like there, but it's kind of obvious. Similar to the British and Commonwealth mixed spice. Generally a blend of powdered cinnamon, cloves, ginger, nutmeg, and sometimes allspice. It can also be used as a seasoning and general cooking. And you can actually buy it commercially. You can actually go to the store right now and buy a little McCormick's pumpkin pie spice. It got me curious about some of the ingredients, though. For example, how much nut is in nutmeg? Well, I'm glad you asked. Nutmeg 
also known as pala in Indonesia, is one of the two spices other than it's it's one of the two spices, the other being mace, derived from several species of tree in the genus Myristica. The most important commercial species is the Myristica fragrans, an evergreen tree indigenous to the Banda Islands and the Moluccas, or the Spice Islands of Indonesia. Maybe we'll talk about the Spice Islands one of these days. Nutmeg is the seed of the tree, roughly egg-shaped, about 20 to 30 millimeters, dried while the mace is dried, lacy reddish covering on an arrow of the seed. The first harvest of the nutmeg takes place seven to nine years after planting. After the trees reach full production, after 20 years, nutmeg is usually used in a powdered form. This is the only tropical fruit that is the source of two different species, spices. Boy, species and spices, you get those mixed up. Spices obtained from different parts of the plant. Several other commercial products are also derived from the trees, including essential oils, extracted oleoresins, oleoresins, and nutmeg butter. And so, uh, of course, the Banda Islands, again, known as the Spice Islands, um, they, they make a lot of different things with it. And uh, it's actually um, being used in a lot of medical research as well right now. Nutmeg has been used in medicine since at least the 7th century. In the 19th century, it was used um, uh, for a lot of different things. But basically, there's a lot of research on it now. Uh, nutmeg, one of the spices in pumpkin pie spice. And we're getting into that season where pumpkin pie is going to become part of our, our daily lives around here. Because we have pumpkin pie, spice chai, pumpkin pie, spice lattes, things like that. So, now, on a totally different note, totally, totally different note. Did you know there's some punctuation uh, marks that you probably will never and have never used, maybe never even seen, they look like they're not even real? This is from Mental Floss Magazine. Punctuation marks we should be using. Because sometimes periods, commas, colons, semicolons, dashes, hyphens, apostrophes, question marks, exclamation points, question, quotation marks, brackets, parentheses, braces, and ellipses won't do. So, have you ever heard of an interrobang? This is a real thing, an interrobang. Uh, you probably already know the interrobang, thanks to its excellent moniker. Um, though the uh, combination exclamation point and question mark can be replaced by using one of each... Like like if you saw a quotation and said, you should do what? And it's an exclamation mark and then a question mark. Or you don't need mental floss, according to this Mental Floss magazine. You don't listen to live till five, question mark, exclamation point. Okay, that's an interrobang. And um, it's, a fun, it's fun to see a sim, simple single glyph getting a little more love lately. And it's basically an exclamation point on top of a question mark. So um, how about this? Percontation, percontation point or rhetorical question mark. The backward question mark was proposed by Henry Durham in 1580 as an end to a rhetorical question and was used until the early 1600s. So they used to have a backwards question mark that was specifically used for rhetorical questions. That would make sense because then as you're reading, you would know right away the context of the question. An irony mark. It looks a lot like the percontation point or the backwards question mark, rhetorical question mark. But the irony mark's location is a bit different. 
as it is smaller, elevated, and precedes a statement to indicate the intent before it's read. Alcantar de Brahm introduced the idea in the 19th century, and in 1966, French author Herve Bazin proposed a similar glyph in his book, A Plumans Osu, along with five other innovative marks. But yeah, so it's like a backwards question mark, but higher and smaller. How about an acclamation point? Acclamation point. Bazin described this mark as the stylistic representation of those two little flags that float above a tour bus when the president comes to town. Acclamation is a demonstration of goodwill or welcome. So you could use it to say, I'm so happy to see you, and then have an acclamation point instead of an exclamation point. So it's like two exclamation points with only one dot, and they kind of are in a V shape. That's an acclamation point. Uh, love point. How about this one? This is two question marks back to back with one dot, kind of like the acclamation point. And um, it is uh, like if you really wanted to to emphasize uh, someone in a loving statement, like happy anniversary, you could have these two marks back to back, and it looks like a heart. And a certitude point. Certitude point it looks like uh, actually it looks a lot like Chris Harper's dagger that he just pulled out a little while ago. Um, a doubt point, a doubt point is the opposite of the certitude point, and thus it's used at the end of a sentence with a note of skepticism. A snark mark, some people would have to use this with every email and Facebook post. Um, it's like the copyrighted snark mark used to indicate that the sentence should be understood beyond the literal meaning. Um, so it's like a dot with a little wavy line kind of beside it. Asterism, cool-looking piece of punctuation has been used to divide subchapters in books, and it is, indicates a mi- minor breaks in long texts. It's almost obsolete since books typically now use three asterisks in a row to break within a chapter or simply skip an extra line. It seems a shame to waste such a great little mark, though. Maybe we could bring it back. It's like three asterisks, but in a triangle. Ex- Exclamation, comma, and question, comma. So an exclamation, comma, and a question, comma. Um, Now you can be excited or inquisitive without having to end a sentence. A Canadian patent was filed for these in 1992, but it lapsed in 1995. So it it isn't actually used, but uh, could be. So and then there's a number of other ones out there, but uh, very interesting that there are some punctuation marks that you could use. You you might not... uh, get a real high score on your paper, but you could use them. Uh, now, for some listener-submitted content, which we love listener-submitted content. You can submit questions. You can submit ideas. You can submit articles through our Facebook page. Go to Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. You can also send us an email, khmg at hbcguam.net. Someone sent me a story about the mysterious Pacific Island burial site. Older than uh, previous studies indicated, this site was named a UNESCO World Heritage Site back in July, and it is the first UNESCO World Heritage Site in Micronesia. And you you might have already guessed it. It's Nanmadal. It was in the news uh, this week, I believe. And uh, a couple of things about it. The burial, ceremonial, and cultural site called Nanmadal dates back about... Um, uh, 1,100 years. 
And uh, that's 100 years older than anything that looks similar to it in all of Micronesia. To me, in its prime, Nanamadal was a capital. It was the seat of political power, the center of the most important religious rituals, and the place where the former chiefs of the island were laid to rest. The researchers dated the age of the coral used as part of constructing the site to find out more precise date when the building began, and specifically studied one tomb where chiefs were buried. They were also able to determine the origin of the big log-like volcanic rocks came from the ancient people used uh, came from that the ancient people used to construct the site, which is on the water. And so, um, basically, if you've never been there before, it's really fascinating. And here is the legend of Nanmadal, because most of the people you ask, not only do they not have a working theory of how Nanmadal was built, but uh, the only things that are out there information-wise, other than what this uh, article from this recent ar- uh, archaeological dig came up with, there's just not much out there. And when you go there, uh, the it's like a fort, okay, like built with Lincoln Logs. Imagine a life-size Lincoln Log fort. But instead of life-size Lincoln Logs, the beams in the fort, which all lay horizontally on top of each other, interlocking, are more the size of between a railroad tie or a parking curb or sometimes as long as a telephone pole. Now, the interesting part about this is they are made from a type of stone like a a granite, coral, basalt-type stone, I believe. Some of these weigh thousands of pounds, and they don't have any really clear idea of where these stones were quarried out of. There is no uh, quarry in close proximity to the site. Now, there there are places where you could get this kind of stone, but it would have been brought all all over the island, and to be able to lift these stones alone would have taken some engineering ability. So it's just a fascinating thing. When you're there, it's right on the water and the tides come in and fill up parts of it and things like that. You're just trying to picture what in the world did they did they have other structures built on top of it? Were there platforms? Did they live in there? Was it just ceremonial? How many years did it take to build it? How big was the population of Pompeii a thousand years ago to be able to do all this work. It would take lifetimes to build this and to have no actual history. So in the absence of history, stories come up like uh, the ones that many Pompeians will tell. Let me read you this short article. Nan Madal was the ceremonial political seat of the Sotalur dynasty, which united Pompeii's estimated 25,000 people until about 1628. Set apart between the main island Pompeii and the Temwen island, It was a scene of human activity as early as the 1st or 2nd century A.D. By the 8th or 9th century, uh, the Islet construction had started, but the distinctive megalithic architecture was probably not begun until perhaps the 12th or 13th century. Little can be verified about the megalithic construction. Pompeian tradition claims that the builders of the Lelu complex on Kosrai, likewise composed of huge stone buildings, migrated to Pompeii where they used all their skills and experience to build an even more impressive Nanmadal complex. However, this is unlikely. Radiocarbon dating indicates that Nanmadal predates Lelu. Like Lelu, one major purpose of constructing a separate city was to insulate the nobility from the common people. According to Pohnpei legend, Nanmadal was constructed by twin sorcerers, Ola Sifa and Olo Sofa. 
with the mystical western Katua and Kanawaso. The brothers arrived in a large canoe seeking a place to build an altar so that they would worship uh, this god, the god of agriculture. After several false starts, the two brothers successfully built an altar off of Temwen Island where they performed the rituals. In legend, these brothers levitated the huge stones with the aid of a flying dragon. When Olasifa died of old age, Olasofa became the first Sotilaire. Olasofa married a local woman and sired 12 generations, producing 16 other Sotilaire rulers uh, of the Dipwalap, or the Great Clan. The founders of the dynasty ruled kindly, though their successors placed ever-increasing demands on their subjects. Their reign ended in the invasion uh, by Oso Kelekkel, I don't know if I said that right, who also resided at Nanmadal. Through his success, those successors abandoned the site later on. So, anyway, Nanmadal, pretty fascinating place, and it was in the news this week. It's kind of cool. The the, the uh, office ladies that were mentioning this to me had just thought it was kind of cool. They had recently heard about Nanmadal mentioned in the news, and anytime you live way out here and you hear something that kind of reminds you of of home, or it's a it's a place that would be obscure to most of the world, but it gets mentioned in. Uh, national or international news it's kind of something worth noting that's always a lot of fun so uh yeah nanmadal you should check it out go online and read up on it there are a lot of conspiracy theories about it but if you ever get a chance to go to pompeii it's on the must see list for things to do in pompeii now as we round out this hour i just want to tell you what's happening here at harvest this weekend because uh we do have a lot going on we are going to be having our Walk Through the Bible seminar, our Walk Through the Bible seminar, which is Sunday morning, beginning at 9.30 a.m. in the church auditorium, and we're going to have third grade on up. So children, teens, adults, everyone will be in the auditorium at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning. It's a Bible seminar where we teach people the storyline of the Old Testament, walk through the Old Testament, the 77 most important people, places, and events of the Old Testament. And it ties all the little pieces of the story together. You can imagine the Old Testament as like a jigsaw puzzle. And oftentimes you've heard Bible stories and you're familiar with different, you know, Moses and the Ten Commandments and Noah and the Ark and children of Israel and David and Goliath. But sometimes you just don't know how to tie them all together. How do they interrelate with each other? And so this seminar uh, makes an effort to explain all that and fit it all together. But we do it in a very fun way. Instead of it just being a long lecture, it is an interactive seminar where we get everyone on their feet, participating together, uh, reviewing together. There's some fun uh, hand signs and funny way of saying things that helps us remember it, different memory tools that are utilized to make sure that everyone is able to participate and recall the information that they learn on Sunday. So come Sunday morning, 9.30 a.m., don't be late. There's free coffee in the coffee shop if you're here before 9.30 Come, get a cup of coffee, come to the auditorium, and just enjoy the day. 9.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., 5 p.m., and 6 p.m. You need to come to all four sessions so you get the whole story. Because if you come to all four, I promise, without taking a single note, without writing a single thing down, you'll be able to walk out of the auditorium and remember the 77 most important people, places, and events of the Old Testament. It's called Walk Through the Bible, Walk Through the Old Testament. Google it, look it up. There's some cool YouTube videos out there, Walk Through the Old Testament. And I'm going to be facilitating it. I've done this many times. We've done it in a lot of different places. We've done it here at Harvest even. And it's always a lot of fun. Even if you've been through it before, uh, you will enjoy going through it again and again because every time 
you retain just a little more. So I want to encourage you to make it here to Harvest, 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning, and it'll be 9.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., 5 p.m., and 6 p.m. for the walk through the Old Testament. And that's it for the first hour of Live Till 5. I'm your host, Jared Baldwin. It's almost 4 p.m. on Friday, October 21st. You're listening to us on Harvest Family Radio, 88.1 KHMG, Barragata, Guam. Stick around for SRN News, and then come back for a second hour of Live Till 5 after the news. with a little more live till five thanks for sticking around we do this every friday afternoon from 3 to 5 p.m here on harvest family radio 88.1 fm khmg it's friday october 21st 404 p.m if you're listening to the live broadcast about 87 degrees outside 48 percent humidity that's a nice comfortable amount enough to make your hair go boing but also take the wrinkles out of your clothes that's just the right amount of humidity. Anymore, you get kind of sweaty, and your hair just goes totally nuts. But 48%, that's fair. That's fair. That orchid's like it, I'm assuming. Anyway, I just made that up. Uh, and it's only 4-mile-per-hour winds uh, from the northeast. So uh, great afternoon if you're listening live. Saturday afternoon, noon to 2, Sunday nights, 7 to 9 p.m. Catch us on the rebound. You can also listen through our website, khmg.org, has about half a dozen different ways you can tune in, not only to this show, but the really good shows on, on uh, Harvest Family Radio as well. We produce a number of uh, good preaching and teaching shows here, and uh, we'd love for you to be able to tune into those, listen to them at your convenience through our podcast, through our archives, and just go to khmg.org and you'll find all those. Let us know you're listening. Harvest Family Radio on uh, Facebook. We love to hear... We can even tell when a new person has clicked on our Facebook for the first time that's never been there before, and we love seeing those kind of stats. So it's still in studio. Chris Harper's here, all-around great guy, station manager, and he's here with the news. I'm going to start with actually an event that Harvest is directly involved in and putting on, and that is the Harvest 5K. This is our 12th annual 5K Run and Walk tomorrow. And that's at Epau Beach Amphitheater. Now, all proceeds from this event are going towards student activities and athletic programs at HCA. Sports equipment for our elementary, middle school, high school teams, all purchased yearly with funds from this event. 
So the start and finish are at EPAO Amphitheater. Showtime, 5.15 a.m., go time, 6 a.m. That's tomorrow. Entry free is $6. Probably can't can't do that except at maybe Hornet Sports now. Uh, but that's $10 tomorrow if you uh, pay your entry fee tomorrow at EPAO Beach. Now, I did want to thank our sponsors as well because we really wouldn't be able to put on the uh, 5K without these sponsors. So first, our gold sponsors, which are Data Management Resources, Luenfong, uh, and American Printing. Oh, and MacTech Guam as well. Jones and Guerrero Incorporated, our silver sponsor, along with Jamaican Grill, Bank of Hawaii, Lee Family, um, Fire Prevention Plus, Guam Urology, TRMA Architects, Asia 360, and Ideal Vision Center, and also Taniguchi Ruth Macchio Architects. Uh, one of our other silver sponsors. As far as bronze sponsors, VMB Trading Company, Guahan Waste Control, or Mr. Rubbish Man, uh, Addis Trust and Investment, ASC Trust Corporation, Foremost, uh, Quality Distributors, Calvo Select Care, KFC, Guam Coffee Company, Hebrews, Chuck E. Cheese's, Outrigger, Guam Beach Resort, Paradise Fitness, Payless Supermarkets, Triple J Enterprises, Archway Incorporated, Lucky Supplies, GTA, Art and Frame Gallery, Sheraton Hotel, and IP&E. I know because um, I've been reading this list throughout the week on Harvest Highlights that we've added some sponsors. So there were several sponsors there that have been added. Very thankful for our sponsors. And we mentioned them because of that. And we're not able to put on the event without the sponsors. So wanted to make sure those get a mention. But Yeah, and we really do want to ha- encourage people, uh, if you're not doing anything at 5.45 a.m. tomorrow morning, uh, besides sleeping, you can come down to EPOW Amphitheater, sign up for the 5K right there if you like, or sign up at Hornet Sporting Goods tonight. And uh, one thing about the Harvest 5K that I, I think is really cool is we always have really good-looking T-shirts, yeah. Uh, not every 5K is going to have a T-shirt you're going to want to wear more than one or two times. And uh, these T-shirts are black this year, which are really cool. Our, our, it's got kind of a tropical look. It's black, totally different. And um, our, our athletic folks combined with our graphics department do a great job of trying to make our shirts unique so that people will want to wear them over and over again. It's really encouraging to me when I'm out in the community. I see people wearing Harvest 5K shirts all the time. Yeah. Yeah, this one's Blockbuster. This is a great shirt. I um, When I first saw the logo, I said, ah, this is great. I said, this will make a great T-shirt. Absolutely. So, I haven't seen the shirt, but I know I know what it looks yep. like. So. Uh, so first story, as far as the news is concerned, is about North Korea, and that's always of interest here on Always Guam. a cheerful topic, yeah. Cheerful. This one's a little more cheerful because, according to Reuters, North Korea fired a missile that failed— Immediately after launch early on Thursday, this according to the United States and South Korean militaries, the incident comes only hours after the two countries agreed to step up efforts to counter the North's nuclear missile threats. The missile was believed to be an intermediate range, a Musudan, I think is what they say, and they were launched uh, from the western city of Kusong, which is isolated um, and that uh, failed attempt was the same type that was launched last Saturday. 
which was another failed attempt. That launch came shortly after the United States and South Korea agreed in Washington to bolster military and diplomatic efforts to counter the North's nuclear nuclear and missile programs, saying they posed a grave security threat. This was the eighth attempt in seven months by the North to launch the weapon, and uh, it's designed to go up to 1,800 miles North Korea's June launch of this same missile covered about 250 miles, more than half the, the, the distance to Japan, and was considered a success by officials and experts in the South and in the United States. So it's designed to go 1,800 miles. It went about 250 miles. That was considered a successful launch. These two failed right after launch. Another regionally important story for Guam This also from Reuters. The Obama administration has few good options and limited leverage as it struggles to craft a response to Philippine President Rodrigo Duterte. Increasingly, his increasingly hostile rhetoric toward the United States and also now a warm embrace of China. For months, Washington has played down Duterte's uh, anti-American insults and broadsides. But the flamboyant new leader raised the stakes to a new level on Thursday when he announced his separation from longtime ally, the United States, and realignment with Beijing, possibly even with Moscow as well. Yikes. That's a big deal. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. Those are America's two main strategic rivals, obviously. This latest outburst, less than three weeks before the U.S. presidential election, casts further doubt on the seven-decade U.S.-Philippine alliance and threatens to further undermine President Barack Obama's faltering pivot to Asia and as a counterbalance to China's growth in their assertiveness in the region. Potentially at stake is the Enhanced Defense Cooperation Agreement reached under Duterte's predecessor, allowing the United States to rotate ships, aircraft, and personnel through five Philippines bases, an arrangement seen as crucial to projecting U.S. military power on China's doorstep. A follow-up story to something that we've talked about here before. Attending her first European Union summit since Britain's vote to leave the EU, Prime Minister Theresa May tried to reassure EU leaders over Brexit, but was told by French President Francois Hollande to prepare for tough negotiations at a gathering in Brussels where EU leaders had robust debates on Russia, migration and trade issues. May was allotted a short time slot at the end of dinner on Thursday to lay out her plans for taking Britain out of the EU after more than four decades as a member. May said she will formally notify the EU of Britain's plan to leave by the end of March. That, of course, triggers all of the things that they have to get done before they actually exit. But uh, it's kind of her formal announcement. Her speech at a conference of her conservative party in early October, she suggested, this is uh, Prime Minister Theresa May, that uh, she was leaning toward a so-called hard Brexit in which Britain would place limits on immigration and lose access to Europe's lucrative single market. So that would be a big step. Uh, I think our final story is meant to be funny. I think it's it's sort of at the the end of the uh, news section on SRN News because I think people find it funny. I didn't find it as funny as I did, uh, sort of childish 
It's sort of an example of how not to behave. Okay. It says, yoga pants wearing women plan to parade through a coastal Rhode Island town protesting a man who says the outfits look tacky and ridiculous. (laughs) The Providence Journal reports women plan to hold a parade on Sunday in Barrington to show they can wear whatever they want. It's that attitude that I was kind of objecting to a little bit, but I think it's meant to be funny here. Their outrage is in response to a letter that town resident Alan Sorrentino wrote to the Barrington Times about his dislike of yoga pants. Sorrentino wrote that yoga pants belong in the yoga studio and that it's bizarre and disturbing to see women wear them in public. He says that they should wear a nice pair of tailored slacks or jeans instead. That's a nice suggestion that's, for, yeah, for him yeah. to make there. I'm glad you asked. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so that's a, it's they a, plan it's, a parade on his street. It's a yoga pants parade in Barrington, Rhode Island. Yes. So you could say it's a yoga bear parade, yoga Barrington parade, yoga Barrington know, parade. That's a nice try. Yoga bear I'm not Inkton. so sure. I don't know. Don't you tell your kids that that if something happens and somebody says something mean to you, let's just assume he's this is what he said is mean, that you don't then you know try to throw it back in their face anytime you, you get an opportunity. So I'm not sure a parade was the the best choice here. Yeah, you, but yeah, actually, yeah. he probably feels like this is a huge win for him. He he's, might. He, you know, it just elevated the conversation. I mean, if he got worked up enough to write to the local paper and they yeah. published it, yeah. and now he had his five seconds in glory, now all the women are going to march down his street. Only and the yoga validate, pants yeah, yeah, and it's going to totally validate because people are going to be out there with cameras and he's going to, I mean, it just draws more attention to exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Wow. The behavior on both sides here is not the best thing in the world. You know, sometimes uh, maybe Barrington, Rhode Island, is just like that. Maybe they're just they just love conflict. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I just I, you know. I, don't know. I always thought of yoga pants wearing people as friendly, you know, peace loving people, but maybe they're not. Well, I thought that was a good counterbalance to the uh, stories about the North Korean missile yeah. launches. Yeah. The uh, you know Obama administration and. Uh, deteriorating relations with the Philippines, Brexit. I mean, it's all bad. But you can't really find a whole lot of great news at the moment. No, there's either bad news or there's it's not actually news. Right. But there's really very little good news out there. Well, the the stories are very repetitive. And you realize we've been in this presidential race for 18 months. Right, right. Yeah. 18 months, man. Donald Trump's debate with Carly Fiorina was like 14 months ago or something like that. It's been a long... And and I wish I could say it's just going to be over soon, but I got a feeling we're going to have a long couple years ahead of us. Yeah, um, no matter what know, happens. No matter which direction it goes. Yeah. yeah. Now, locally, I'm encouraged with some of the the uh, local people that are running. Obviously, we're not sure. going to endorse anyone here, but um, I personally know a few of the people that are running, and I'm very encouraged. I actually had, for the first time ever, a local mayoral candidate, not from our village, but uh, close by, came by and wanted to tour the Harvest House facility, had heard about it. And I'm like, wow, thank you. You know, we... Yeah. We're really glad to have a neighbor that wanted to come over and check things out. So, great, you know, I encourage people to utilize their vote 
wisely. And, uh, you know, as tempting as it's going to be for people to stay home because they're so frustrated with the presidential uh, voting, if you think here on Guam, your presidential vote really isn't counting. So, uh, but your local votes make a big difference. Who the representative's going to be, who our local senators are going to be, public auditor, mayors. So it's really worthwhile and encourage uh, people to get out there and vote. Yep. Vote your conscience. All right, Chris, hey, thanks for uh, bringing us the news today. Really appreciate it. What are you guys doing this weekend, by the way? Uh, I think we'll probably go to the pool. That's yes. a thing we'll Should do. Should be a sunny day. Yep. I don't know if we'll, um, I don't know if we'll venture out on the island somewhere but how are the kids coming along with their swimming are they all uh Great. starting to be able yeah. to swim across the pool and things like oh that? yeah everybody swims well except for uh sarah and rebecca they're the two little the youngest ones. Yeah. rebecca's only four and then uh sarah is six but um she is not quite there yet she can swim yeah but you know you don't want to turn your back <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they deals. might be confident, but it might yeah. not be safe. That's exactly and, it. Yeah, so, so yeah. well, you are you live in a good spot for kids. That's where my kids learn how to swim, so it's a good spot. So thanks a lot, Chris. Thanks for bringing us the news. Yep. And uh, thanks, listeners, for hanging in there. It's 4.20 p.m. on Friday afternoon, October 21st, here on KHMG, 88.1 FM, Harvest Family Radio. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, I have some stranger-than-fiction stories to share with you and uh, some more Just interesting and odd things. Today's topic is kind of a mishmash of a lot of different stories, which we're calling Radio Casserole with peas, onions, and cubed carrots. And I'll explain why I'm calling it that when I come back from this short break. Stick around. More Live Till 5 after this. back with a little more live till 5 it's 4 25 p.m on friday afternoon october 21st can i ask you listeners a question can you tell when i'm smiling when i'm talking like if you were to guess right now do you think i'm smiling wait a minute i can't stop smiling sorry stand by one second all right i'm gonna try and see if you can tell the difference between when i'm smiling or not smiling when i'm talking because in the biz we're taught to smile when we talk because it communicates. So, right now, hold on. Get myself ready. Am I smiling or not smiling? Just say it out loud. Now, am I smiling or am I not smiling? Say it out loud. Yeah, even hearing myself, I, I think I can hear when I'm smiling. I'm always kind of halfway smiling. Um... It's it's in between a snicker and a, you know a, a, a smirk, but it is smiling. I mean the the sides of my mouth are actually curved upward, not quite ten and two. It's more maybe two thirty and nine thirty. But if you understand the hands on the clock analogy there, so it's I'm always kind of smiling. I'm trying to be a happy guy. I got to admit that sometimes when you come up here, come up here on a Friday afternoon to do a radio show, it's at the end of a very long day. Uh, I made an airport run this morning at 4 a.m. And then I tried to fall back asleep, and I fell back asleep about 
45 minutes before my alarm clock went off. And uh, I was up until about 1 working on a paper. So hence the uh, previous illustrations of uh, punctuation and grammar. So just a very, very tiring day. Yet you come in here and you put a smile on and you just enjoy doing the show and try and be a blessing to the people listening. Hope that I'm a blessing to you right now. Can you tell if I'm smiling? I'm smiling. Grinning, at least. Hey, by the numbers. Number of great numbers here. Just kind of pass on to you from random, because this is a radio casserole with peas, onions, and cubed carrots. The, the reason, let me just share with you. The reason I'm saying the theme is that is because I, it's a theme that has no theme. It's kind of like in school, we used to do Spirit Week. We would do uh, Clash Day, which meant that the only way you could fit in is if nothing matched. So to get everything to match, you had to have nothing matching. Well, the show's theme today is a little bit like that. It's kind of like Clash Day. So it's just a random grouping of stories and and facts and figures and numbers. Because I had two folders, like each, each one an inch to two inches thick of different stories that I've been accumulating and it was time to kind of uh, filter through some of those. And so I have some by-the-numbers stories right now. And the reason why I gave it that uh, funny name with such specific things, peas, onions, and cubed carrots, is because Chris Harper tries to find a picture that's public domain that can be used with the image that goes with the podcast for this show. And if I come up with a really random or difficult topic then it makes his job really hard. And making his job really hard is another thing that just makes me smile. Can you tell if I'm smiling right now? So, plus after he put up the uh, clown picture, after the fear and phobia one, now I'm, I'm confident of his abilities to match the image to the topic. And so, radio casserole with peas, onions, and cubed carrots. That's the topic for the day. Here's some by the numbers. Uh, let's see here. This is kind of confusing according to this article. In, I believe this is Outreach Magazine. It appears that the new majority in America is actually the minority. According to the new Census Bureau population estimates, the majority of babies being born in the U.S. are now minorities. Now, pinpointing the exact year when minorities outnumbered non-Hispanic whites um, newborns has been difficult for experts, but they estimate it was somewhere around 2013. Either way... Now it's a confirmed reality. 50.2% of U.S. babies younger than one year old were racial or ethnic minorities. So you have, uh, it it used to be that it was way high. Back in 2002, the non-Hispanic white children were the majority. But now the minority births has slightly, 50.2% outpaced the non-minority births non-Hispanic white being the non-minority. Here's some more numbers. At the end of July last year, 65.3 million people around the world were refugees, internally displaced or seeking asylum. That's according to the United Nations Refugee Agency and is the largest number ever recorded. Five million of that growth was in 2015 alone, the largest single-year increase since the Second World War. To put 65 million people into perspective, that's about the same as the population of Texas, New York State, and Florida combined. It means that right now, 1 in 113 people around the world are displaced. 
65.3 million, and that was a year ago. And there have been a lot of refugees this year added to the number with Syrian refugees and things like that. We talked about that on last week's show a little bit. Here's some other numbers for you. 140, that's the number of mourners killed when Saudi Arabian coalition warplanes bombed a funeral in the Yemeni capital of Sana'a, an apparent attempt to target Shiite Houthi rebels. Houthi rebels. 909 million, that's the amount the federal government spent last year on advertising and on public relations contracts, according to the Government Accountability Office. 900 million the federal government spent on advertising and public relations. 14 is the number of threatening clown incidents. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, including many hoaxes reported to the police of the United States since August 29th, according to the International Business Times. $9 million, the amount paid at auction in Dubai by businessmen um, for a rare vanity license plate for one of his Rolls-Royce automobiles. $9 million for a license plate. 135, that's the number of passes Dallas Cowboys rookie quarterback Dak Prescott had thrown without an interception, breaking the previous rookie record midway through his week, his week five win over Cincinnati Bengals back October 9th. Speaking of numbers, this is pretty fascinating. I mean, it's sad, but it's it's cool. UK resident Karam Chand died in late September, one month short of his 111th birthday. See the tie-in with numbers? Ending what was believed to be the world's longest living marriage. Chand and his wife Katari, 103, were married for 90 years since their wedding in 1925. That means that she was 13 when they got married. They, are, they look like they're from India. Family members told the media the couple never argued and had supported each other through long years together, including an immigration from India and the raising of a large family. In an interview last year, the couple explained their method for a long life and peaceful marriage, healthy food, contentment, and moderation. So... uh 111-year-old man married to a 103-year-old woman, 90 years of marriage, Indian immigrants to the U.K. That is a success story, my friends. 90 years. That's pretty awesome. Here's some more numbers. These are a little more staggering. Did you know 1.9 million people had a substance use disorder um, involving prescription pain relievers in 2014 in the U.S.? This is from an article called... The U.S. has a drug, a legal drug problem. 95, 95% of people surveyed during the treatment for opioid addiction used heroin because pres- prescription opioids were more expensive and harder to obtain. 47,055 drug overdoses uh, in, is the leading cause of accidental death in the U.S. That's how many lethal drug overdoses happened in 2014, 47,000. In the U.S., 259 million prescription, uh, prescriptions were written for opioids in 2012. 18,893 overdose deaths were related to prescription pain relievers. 10,574 overdose deaths were related to heroin. 168,000 adolescents had an addiction to prescription pain relievers in 2014. This is, uh, the U.S. has a legal drug problem, a graphical look at America's prescription drug crisis. And uh, 
I think that's from Christianity Today. No, Relevant Magazine. Let's move on from the numbers here. Some archaic names. This one is from my file of things I've always wanted to share, but have not had time to, and today's the day, because it is our radio casserole day. Whoa, it is really raining outside. Stand by. Oh, yeah. If you looked out the studio window here at KHMG Harvest Family Radio, it looks like we're in a drive through car wash as the rain cascades down the glass right here beside me at the uh, studio I, I feel bad for those uh, guys out there doing soccer practice and the kids doing cross-country practice right now. But we're in here. So let's talk about this this list of names. I found this in Mental Floss. These are old-fashioned words for someone that's not too smart. So maybe you don't want to use these names, but maybe you can think them. Jobber now. Colorful world word. Sounds distinctly Lewis Carroll-y. Uh, it can be a dum-dum or a dum-dum's head, a jobber now. General stupidity is jobber nowism. Uh, how about someone that is a, um, a nitty-naughty, nitty-naughty? Clear origin in the 1600s, nitty-naughty referred to an involuntary dropping or nodding of the head, kind of like when you fall asleep on an airplane, then you jolt yourself awake. This association with drowsiness led to the word in uh, to the lexicon of idiocy. A stuki. That's a stuki was originally a type of wax statue or other dummy. So you can kind of see where someone would use that term to call someone a, a name. Oh, let's see here. How about a puzzle head? If you're a puzzle head, yeah, uh, it's kind of self-explanatory. This one's kind of interesting. A Mary Andrew, M-E-R-R, like Merry Christmas, and Andrew, like the typical name, Mary Andrew. The original meaning for this term was a clown, and it's a slippery slope of buffoonery that entails a buffoonery that annoys. 1910 from H.H. Richardson's Getting of Wisdom means something close to a dunce, so a Mary Andrew. A dizzard, that was the original, kind of one of the original terms for a jester in the 1500s, like a court jester. Uh, let's see here. A dotty pole. Dotty pole. Original. Uh, the origins of this term, which go back to at least the 1400s, suggests it comes from a definition of dod to make the head rounder. A dotty pole has ex- has excessively round head, the kind the, mi- the owner might let roll away at any moment. A dunderwhelp. Don't be a dunderwhelp. Uh, let's see. Like a dunderhead, for example. You've probably been familiar with dunderhead, which is one of the many noggin-related words for idiots, such as meathead and stupidhead. But the dunderhead has a forgotten sibling, the dunderwhelp, who is presumably a chip off the old blockhead. So a dunderwhelp would be like a baby dunderhead, I guess. A clodpate, that's a thick-headed person. A sumph, Scottish word, uh, dating back to the 1700s kind of has a guttural sound and it pairs well with uh, idiocy and finally a ninny hammer you don't want to be a ninny hammer it's an insult combines ninny's lack of conviction with a hammer lack of brain power a ninny hammer so don't be a ninny hammer someone that has a lack of conviction and a lack of power 
Now, before I take a short break, just a couple of Stranger Than Fictions, and we'll come back and talk a little bit about what's happening this weekend here at Harvest and give you some details about that. I came across an article, Stranger Than Fiction, because oftentimes truth is stranger than fiction. At the Kalua uh, Lumpur International Airport, there are three 747 double-decker jets, Boeing 747 jets, that the Kalua International Airport does not know who the owners are. The planes have been there for a couple of years, parked on the runway. They're in great condition, and they cannot figure out who the owners are, according to this article at the time this was written. Malaysia is searching for mystery owners of abandoned three Boeing 747s at the Kuala Lumpur, Lumpur International Airport. They actually had to put an ad in the newspaper that says, if you fail to collect the aircraft within 14 days of the date of this notice, we reserve the right to sell or otherwise dispose of the aircraft pursuant to the civil aviation regulations in 1996 and use the money raised to set off any expenses and debt due under said regulations. And they have pictures of the three aircraft. They're perfectly mint-conditioned aircraft. Aviation enthusiasts have linked two of the three aircraft to Malaysia Airlines after a search online found that Mass Cargo had, re- had leased two of the planes from Air Atlanta Icelandic. The company's senior vice president of sales and marketing said that an email, in an email that the three aircraft did belong to Air Atlantia, but was um, uh, returned to the owner in 2010, but they did not say who the owner was. So very interesting. And they never painted registration on the tail fin, so it's, it's almost impossible to, for them to figure out who the owners are. Now, I'm just coming across this story. Maybe they've solved this mystery by this time. This one, anytime you just read a headline that just kind of catches you funny, it's a stranger than fiction. And you're always welcome to send those to me at khmg at hbcguam.net or attach them to a private message on Harvest Family Radio's Facebook page. This one here, maybe, maybe you read this headline. Man charged for beating bus driver with bag of frozen chicken. This is why you don't read news headlines while you're driving down the street. Because you would have uh, ran the car off the road trying to read that a second time. Man charged for beating bus driver with a bag of frozen chicken. And long story short, basically this 27-year-old Chicago man said that he was flirting with the bus driver on the Chicago Transit. And uh, she kind of uh, ignored him. And so he got angry and he had a bag of frozen chicken with him. And um, he basically swung the bag of chicken and hit her in the head. And then, uh, well, it was it was a woman sitting by the bus driver, and then the bus driver basically came back to her rescue, and what happened was he ended up getting a beating, and then he got arrested. Here's something that's kind of cool. You can look this up. A rare black rhino was born in Iowa. Of all places, the Des Moines Zoo, the Blank Park Zoo, celebrating the birth of a rare endangered black rhino. The 80-pound female calf was born on October 11th to a 6-year-old mom, Ayana, the first black rhino born at the zoo. Officials say the calf is doing well, standing, walking an hour after its birth and uh, started eating two hours later. Ayanna and her daughter won't be on display in order to give the pair a chance to bond, but officials with the zoo say they plan to do special live stream events to allow public to get a look at the calf. The first of those is planned for Tuesday, 1 p.m. The rhino is critically endangered due to poaching. There are fewer than 1,000 of them in the whole world. 
when you combine the captive and wild population. According to the zoo, the fundraising opportunity will be offered for a chance to name the new calf. It plans to release more information on how to participate in the near future. So you can just look it up, Des Moines Black Rhino or the Blank Park Zoo Black Rhino, and uh, you'll be able to maybe get a glimpse, a live stream of that. This one here is one of those ones that kind of might make your blood boil. Texas youth football team season ends after national anthem protest. Basically, this Texas youth national uh, team protested the national anthem like the NFL football player Colin Kaepernick has. They took a knee instead of saluting during the flag. The team's all 11- and 12-year-old boys, and basically their season ended because what happened was um, the coach was putting pressure on all the players to kneel. Some of the kids felt like that was disrespectful, and when put pressure on, they quit the team. And the team did not have enough to continue the season because of the coach's choice to put pressure on the players to kneel instead of uh, put their hand over their heart during the, the uh, national anthem. So they dropped, they lost a number of players, and they couldn't continue on. And what a waste. Uh, faith-based film, I'm Not Ashamed, is slammed by atheists. No surprise there. Basically, they're upset that the story is based on uh, Columbine massacre victim Rachel Scott, that uh, basically saying there's no police evidence that uh, she said that she believed in God um, before she was shot uh, by Eric Harris at the Columbine Massacre. And um, that story that she did was actually uh, Richard Costaldo, who was there, who survived. That was his testimony of what she said. And so, you know, atheists are going to rage about that. Have you heard about the sinking building? San Francisco city attorney on Tuesday issued a subpoena to the developers of a luxury condominium high-rise that is tilting and has sunk more than a foot to determine if structural issues were appropriately conveyed to purchasers. 400 resident units in the Millennium Tower, which opened in the heart of downtown 2009, have been purchased. Uh, I have serious concerns about disclosures required by state law and do not contain information about the settling of the property. And basically, this this property has sunk uh, more than 10 inches than expected. It's sunk a total of 16 inches. It's only supposed to sink 6 inches over the lifespan of the whole building, and it's already sunk 16. And at the top, uh, let's see here, at the top of the building, it is also tilted about 15 inches. So as it settle as it settles the farther the tilt at the top is going to be a 15 inch tilt, and that's pretty serious uh, for this building. It's right in the heart of downtown San Francisco, so not quite sure what they're going to do there. Also, I have a story here about a man who uh, mailed dead skunks and a raccoon to um, uh, and he tagged someone's um, car recently because he was upset about not getting. Uh, picked as a basketball coach for a job. New Zealand library that has a high-pitched mosquito device basically to keep loiterers from hanging out in front of the library and talking, uh, I think, even in the library. They have this device that kind of puts off this really irritating uh, high-pitched noise that drives away mosquitoes, but it also drives away teenagers. They've taken it down for now, but they're willing to bring it back out. They were going to be sued for being... uh, like under the torture clause, I guess. Uh, three charged in Britain for selling horse meat as beef. Maybe you've had horse meat before. 
maybe you had it, you didn't know you had it. Uh, maybe you had it, you didn't mind it. But uh, Britain has a, a, a law against the sale of horse meat now as, you know, basically there was a big scandal. A lot of horse meat was being brought into Britain and even being sold as hamburgers at some of the fast food chains. And that's pretty disgusting. And finally, in New Zealand, the first pizza by Domino's was delivered by an unmanned drone. And of course, it had to navigate through all of the power lines and trees and things like that. But they had a successful delivery of a pizza with an unmanned drone in New Zealand. And I think that is going to be the future. We'll, we'll see. I'm not an expert on that. But uh, it very well could be the future of delivery because a lot of companies like Amazon.com and um, I think Walmart and Google, they're all looking into these unmanned drones to figure out how can they maximize it. And uh, more and more, you'll see drones taking camera footage. We were at Two Lovers Point the other day. Someone had a drone, and they flew the drone out probably 50 yards away from the top of the cliff line to take pictures back at the cliff. It was pretty amazing. And... um, and they're getting less and less expensive as well. So the technology is getting better. The cost is going down. And it won't be long before we'll just see more and more drones. So anyway, some cool Stranger Than Fiction news. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, I'd like to talk a little bit more about what's happening this weekend. What is Walk Through the Bible all about? Why is it important for you to uh, consider coming if you don't have a church home? So stick around. More Live Till 5 after this short break. a little more live till five we have about six or seven minutes left in the show i'm your host jared baldwin been doing this for 188 episodes believe it or not right here on khmg harvest family radio 88.1 fm broadcasting high top the campus of harvest ministries that torrential downpour we had five minutes ago now is gone and we can see some blue skies if you're listening live on friday afternoon it's about five minutes till five o'clock. Maybe you're listening on Saturday, noon to two, Sunday night, seven to nine PM. You can catch us on the rebound. You can also go to khmg.org. There are about half a dozen other ways to listen to not only this show, but everything we have going on here at KHMG Harvest Family Radio. We've been on the air over twenty years, broadcasting beautiful Christian music, biblical programming, everything from a Christian worldview. This show is just a light alternative on Friday afternoons, Saturdays, Sundays. As you drive about, trying to be a, a blessing to you, I want to invite you to something special that's happening here at Harvest this weekend. And uh, sometimes 
if it, without explanation, it might not make much sense. So we like to uh, try to explain it so that people don't uh, avoid us this Sunday. It's not going to be our normal Sunday morning service. Everything starts at 9.30 a.m. So if, if you can make it, 9.30 a.m., be a few minutes early, come into the church auditorium, third grade on up. So third graders, junior high, high school, adults, everyone together will be in there having what's called Walk Through the Old Testament or Walk Through the Bible Old Testament. It's a seminar that we do. We've done this a number of years ago with the Old Testament. We've done it for our high school, our college kids. We've done it down in Micronesia in a couple different places. And um, it's really a lot of fun. It's a great way to learn the basic storyline of the Old Testament. We give the gospel in there. We tie in uh, some of the prophecy and things from the Old Testament. But it's really the 77 most important people, places, and events of the Old Testament. It's impossible to really cover all the most important things, but the seminar has kind of narrowed it down to about 77 so that it's uh, something that you can come to and in one day learn the storyline of the Old Testament from creation to Christ. And it is totally worth it. You will be able to tie together a number of those Bible stories or maybe things you've heard about. You've heard people talking about them. You've heard people use certain people's names or certain events. Well, there's a good chance that those big events that we're going to be able to tie them together. We're going to talk a little geography. We're going to talk a little history. We're going to talk, of course, theology. And uh, you'll understand the structure of the Old Testament as well. And that'll help uh, build a little better understanding. We don't want people to be afraid to open their Bible and just read it for themselves. You know, the Old Testament, I think uh, many Christians are illiterate when it comes to their understanding of the Old Testament. They just don't read it. But after the seminar, if a pastor or a guest speaker at your church or maybe in a Bible study you're at says, hey, turn in your Bible to Deuteronomy, well, you won't be quite as nervous because you'll understand, well, that was the second time Moses shared the law with the people, and now I understand a little bit why some of the things in Deuteronomy are the same things we saw in Exodus. Yeah, exactly. And so you'll get just a little bit of that. It's not just trivia. This is very important information that'll help you understand your Bible better. And we, we fly through it. It will be the fastest seminar that you've attended in a very long time because we like to keep it moving. It's fun. It's interactive. You don't just sit there and listen. You don't have to take a single note, no paper, no pen. All you do is just promise to stay engaged and do what everyone else does. Now, this is the one time in life where going along with the crowd is a good thing. So walk through the Bible uh, seminar this weekend, 9.30 a.m. at the Harvest Baptist Church Auditorium. What I would recommend, come at 9 a.m., go by the hub, get your free cup of coffee. You know, just kind of relax, visit with people, drink your cup of coffee, toss the cup, go find a nice seat in the auditorium, our nice air-conditioned, comfortable auditorium, sit down, and at 9.30 we'll get started with Walk Through the Bible Seminar. I think you'll really enjoy it. I'm the facilitator of this one. I got to go and do some training, some professional training at Walk Through the Bible's World Headquarters in Atlanta, and uh, it was totally worth it, and I've done this seminar many times. We have a few people that will be coming that are veterans of the seminar. They've been maybe one time, uh, whether in school or in church. Even if you've been before, uh, most people cannot remember all of it. After a year or two, it kind of fades away, 
And coming a second time and a third time sometimes gives you those aha moments where you're able to tie things together from the seminar itself. So I really recommend that you try and make it to Harvest Baptist Church this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. and attend the Walk to the Old Testament seminar with me and about 600 of my closest friends. Of course, child care will be provided and the normal Sunday schools and children's church will be provided for the younger ones. If your kids can stay with you in the in the service and can enjoy it, I'd say bring all your kids in. But we will have for the youngest ones up through second grade, we will have their normal classes in their normal locations. So you make the call on that, parents. If you have a church home that preaches God's word, be faithful there. We're not trying to recruit you away from your local body of believers. God has you there for a reason. Out in the community, be salt and light. Tell people about Harvest Family Radio. Nothing to be ashamed of. You know, we know we're not always everyone's flavor of everything, but I promise you, I promise you that you never have to be apologetic for anything you hear on Harvest Family Radio. We try and stay consistent biblically and theologically, and we want to be a blessing to you and your family. Let us know you're listening. Go to Harvest Family Radio on Facebook. Leave us a personal message. And that's it for this week, the fastest two hours of my life. You're listening to Harvest Family Radio, 88.1 FM, KHMG, Barragata, Guam. Talk to you next week.